All right, welcome back to Long Island's number one pro wrestling broadcast, Monty DeFaro. Only seen here out of Indie Music TV, straight out of Ron Cockama, New York. Jimmy, got a special show today. I would almost say, or fair to say, it could be almost groundbreaking or challenging, but I don't want to get into that right off the beginning. I want to talk to you about a few things. Uh, Virgil. Uh, cause of death explained when Virgil's death was announced. No specific cause were given, but a former wrestler has been open to the past various health struggles. Just two years ago before he died, Virgil had shared on X he had two strokes um, and has been diagnosed with onset dementia. And I believe later on he had cancer. Uh, Jimmy, thoughts on the great Virgil, Michael Jones? Jim? Jimmy? Is he frozen there, Abe? Um, he's cutting in now a little bit, but... All right, now I can hear you. There he is. Yeah, he's Froze. frozen a lot, though. Get settled in. Are you, are you there? All right, well, I'll take over for Jimmy. Michael Jones, Virgil. Jimmy, you there? I think he might want to try and reconnect. Yeah. Yeah. If he could hear me reconnect, Jimmy, let's try it. Send him an email. You sent them an email? All right. So, guys, Michael Jones, Virgil, um, I said it before in the earlier show, right? Uh, Virgil, to me, and I think to Jimmy, he was uh, very important to the history of wrestling. He was involved in some of the great angles in pro wrestling from that Friday night's main event where Andre wins the title and uh, sells it to or gives it to Ted DiBiase, sells it to him. And obviously Virgil was part of the NWO. Uh, well, we had him in studio. Jimmy, you're back? I don't know, am I? Now you are. Um, I'm just okay. sharing my thoughts on Virgil. Um, when he was in studio, very nice guy. Um, the biggest thing I can't get over is that he passed away at 61. Um, I had no idea he was 61. I thought he was much older than that, Jimmy. Jimmy? Yeah, I'm freezing, Mike. I don't know if I'm coming through right now. Now you are. Go ahead. All right. Well, if you're talking about Virgil, it was definitely a shock. Way too young. You know, you never want to hear about it to begin with, but we've gotten into handfuls now of uh, wrestlers that we've had come in that passed away. I think his uh, contribution to pro wrestling is, is actually underrated. He was, he was part of a lot of big things. He was part of a lot of big things, you know, so it sucks that he's gone. What do you think of Virgil as a human being? Well, I mean, we only saw him once. I mean, how much of a read can you get? But I thought he was a cool guy. I, I thought he was uh, pretty easygoing, you know. Seemed happy-go-lucky to me. 
you know? A bit when, wacky, but isn't that Virgil anyway? When it's all said and done, where does Virgil rank, like, as a as a wrestler? I think we're okay right now. Thank you. Um, where does he rank as a wrestler? I don't know, man. I mean, you don't... I, I don't... Virgil was a specialist, right? I mean, at the end of the day. Uh, and that worked for him. That's what got him over. That's what made him the name that we remember. Uh, he wasn't really about, you know, holding titles or getting up on the card. He was a specialist. He did something very different. And we pointed that out, didn't we, Mike, when we interviewed him? Like, you know, what he... His role is a very, very uh, small window, and he owned it. He owned that window. Yeah, I don't know if that was a small window, right? Because you go into, what, what, 1986, 87, all the way into the NWO years, right? It's a good, like, 12-year run, I right. think, right? Not bad. Question is, what did he get yeah, paid? Yeah, no, the small, the small window, the small window. Well, we also have Ole Anderson at age 81, wrestling icon, was a member of the Four Horsemen, the wrestling legend, Ole Anderson, who was original member of the Four Horsemen stable, has died. He was 81, shared by the WWE as news. Jimmy, I know we thought about, uh, we spoke about uh, Ole Anderson as with the other wrestlers, the majority of the wrestlers who had come in here were not really big fans of Ole. Um, where does Ole rank in your life? Is he frozen? I can't tell. Yeah, I, I think he just needs to try and reconnect. I think Jimmy, uh, you want to disconnect and I'll carry it and then reconnect? Yeah. Make sure you're yep. using Chrome. All right. All right, cool. So, um... When I think about Ole Anderson, I think about uh, my early days watching Georgia Championship Wrestling. Um, Ole, Ole had something special about him. He, you know, his body wasn't overly, I don't want to use the word impressive, because he was a big, huge, massive guy, but he wasn't chiseled, um, wasn't overly good-looking, so he didn't have that, but Ole to me had it. Um, earlier on, I was listening to the 30 and they were speaking about the best formation of the four horsemen. I think you have to rank the Ole Anderson version, that would be Ole Anderson, Arn, Ric Flair and Tully, as the top only because they were the originals. When you're the originals, I think you, 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 it's hard not to be ranked as top. Are they your favorite? Um, not for me, right? My favorite version was Barry Windham and the crew there. I also love the Lex Luger version, which I thought was awesome. But I think the original Horseman with Ole Anderson was fantastic. And the thing that we always remember, too is when he gets kicked out of the horseman, um, it's because he was foregoing the horseman so he could watch his son wrestle in school. So, again, I could remember those storylines vividly. Um, it's weird 
because Oli to me was a little bit of a flash in a pan, right? And when I mean flash in the pan, it was like in my wrestling memories, he's it's he's very in and out and quick, but always remembered his name. So, um, you know, rest in peace to both Virgil and and Ole Anderson, uh, two different companies in their highest levels of fame. But to a wrestling fan at my age, um, certainly uh, meant a tremendous amount to us as wrestling fans. Is Jimmy back? Uh, not yet. I think they're trying to reconnect now. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll put him up on the screen when he comes back. Yeah, no problem. So before I get into our guest, uh, I got a few things to talk to Jimmy when he reconnects, but I want to explain to people, so I'll do it while Jimmy's not on there. So uh, a while ago, um, years ago, when we first started the show, one of the main subjects with the ring was the Ring Boy scandal, right? And <clears throat> look, wrestling's had so many scandals, in quotations, um, for many, many years, right? We could talk about the Chris Benoit murders, obviously, most recent history, Billy Jack Haynes. But one of the, you know, Jimmy Snooker, Nessie, Argentina, all that dark side of the ring shit, right? But the one thing that we always heard about were about the Ring Boy scandals and about these two gentlemen, Terry Garvin and Mel Phillips, um, where we've had guests here that actually knew those two gentlemen. And they were always, um, always pointed as being guilty. And everybody knows the story of if you've watched a show and you've watched or you know wrestling, you know the story story of Tom Cole. Tom Cole was a ring boy who claims that he was um, not sexually assaulted but sexually approached. And his biggest claim to fame came when he took his own life over that situation. And, you know... Again, no one should never, no one should ever be in a job or in their personal life where they feel that they're being taken advantage of, um, and that that's a big deal. Um, when you have power within a company, whether you're a president or a supervisor, a foreman, or whatever the case, you should never be able to use that job as uh, a tool to take advantage of someone the tricky thing with the ring boy stuff was you've had some underage people working for a major corporation like the wwf at the time um it was more of a it was a circus i mean let's call it like it is everybody it was a circus a traveling circus town to town you had your main stars who went to a place you had these uh these local independent guys coming on and they would work that area and then they would hire these ring boys and our guest will explain it a little more when he's on and you know tom cole was one of those people and i guess for some of these kids it, it, it was a dream job right i mean my god you get to talk to your heroes and be able to help them become successful setting up the ring who knows what else you had to do get them coffee i don't know um, and 
you, I could see at that age you can be molded into something that in normal life you wouldn't you wouldn't fall for. Um, look, you see it in a lot of other industries: Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, you know, it's just been going on and on and on. And I'm not saying it's right; it's not right at all. Um, but it seems in the wrestling world, everything is towards the guilty, right? We, we're looking at what's happening with Vince McMahon right now. And Vince McMahon is already guilty before he even had his chance in court. Um, and that seems to be a way of this country right now. And the guest I have coming on, he was a ring boy. And he's going to tell his story. But it's going to be a story that may be a bit different than we all expect. So, uh, you know, when Jimmy gets back on, I want to give the availability for Jimmy to speak on this. But here on this show, we want to give everybody the availability to speak, right? So the guest that we got coming on, we vetted him. Um, we know he was a ring boy. So it's not like some dude just like, hey, I, I did this. Um, Jimmy, you're back. Am I? Yeah, are you sure? You yep, you look good. You look positive. Good. Well, you can so, thank Karen McDaniel because I wasn't going to figure anything out. No problem. So just so we could recap here, thank you, Karen McDaniel. By the way, um, I was just explaining to the people watching what they're going to be ready for, right? Because we've got a guy coming on um, that, you know, look. 99% of the people are going to not agree with him, right? Because it's already the decisions have been formed by, by the people watching, um, you know, and he's taking a big risk putting himself on camera like this. And, and I respect that, right? We want to hear his story. Uh, Jimmy, I want you to weigh in on that, but I wanted to talk to you before we go into it because it kind of falls in line to what we're talking about on the show after break. Last night when I got home from work um, on HBO was a, a movie called Priscilla. Obviously, you know who P Priscilla Presley is, right? Yeah. Um, I'm watching Priscilla, and I was thinking to myself, now, let me ask you something. Big Elvis, Elvis Presley fan? No, I like the Beatles. I thought they were more talented. I'm not comparing them into the Beatles. I'm asking you just in general were you a fan of Elvis Presley. Um, I'm more, well, I gotta be honest. I, I mean, some of Elvis's stuff is cool, but I'm much more of a Buddy Holly guy. I guess, I, gotcha. I don't know. Elvis is, was the, was obviously the king of his time, you know? So let me ask you this. So Elvis, I'm going to give you a little bit of a timeline. He meets Priscilla, Priscilla Presley at 14, right? At 14, they begin a relationship. Priscilla claims that Elvis and her did not have any kind of sexual contact. Uh, they might have kissed, okay. things like that. Um, he met her when he was in Germany in the military. Uh, he brought her to Memphis, uh, married her, like I think six years later when she became of age. Um, if Elvis was in today's society and this went on, okay, give me your idea why Elvis wasn't, chastised for being with a 14-year-old back then in the 60s?
Jimmy. Did we lose him again? It looks like he's moving. That's what I mean. I don't well, know what's going on. He's popping out every once in a while, so I don't I don't know. We we haven't had this problem. Yeah, I know. We haven't had this problem in a long time. Go figure. He says there's some rain over there causing issues, so um maybe he should go on his phone. Let's go to commercial break and let's get set up again, all right? I'm afraid because it says weed whacker. I'm scared. Maven, Manscaped. What are you thinking about Love Manscaped, it. dude? You Love it. it. What do you use it for? Necessity. What don't I use it for? Put it this way. <laughs> the only hair I have on my entire body is these eyebrows. Yeah. That oh. you see. These wow. caterpillars racing to the middle of my nose. That's it. That is it. That's all, that's all I have. And that's all I want. That's the So pick. Manscaped there, is a you, must. We were talking before the show. There's nothing worse than just hair, yeah, right? Hair on a woman, hair on a man, it's just bad. Absolutely, and it's the one thing that the older I get, it starts growing more in unwanted areas. Absolutely. I hate it. I'm gonna ask you a question. Uh-oh. Just gonna go out there. Oh boy. Go for it. You're doing a deed. Yes. <laughs> Again, I don't want you to have to admit this because we, as men, we try not to admit this, but if you're gonna oh, go do I a know deed it. on a woman, I know would you rather have her be Hairless or a little hair, racing stripe or <laughs> racing stripe. full retro bush. <laughs> racing well, stripe. Retro bush is out. Yes, thank you. Retro bush is out. Yeah. Um, I don't mind a small, well manicured landing strip. <laughs> Every now and then, if it's completely, and I'm talking like baby's ass bald, mm. then I I start. Where is that pedophilia line? That I'm, that I'm, I don't, I don't wow. want to wander into that. That's very interesting. Like that. I never thought about wow. it. You're a smart dude. Oh, yeah. So if the landing strip is clean enough for the plane to go in smoothly, you're cool with that. If the landing strip is, has, like I said, well manicured, yeah. you yeah. can see both sides. It's not like blinking lights on both sides I, of that. Landing? I just don't, I don't want, <laughs> you know, I don't want the shrubbery going off into yeah. unwanted areas on that. Gotcha. As well. Oh, yeah, look but, what you found. Ooh. I got to be all gotcha. honest though. Hey. The, ah. <laughs> the older I get, though, I don't. I think I don't think I can be as. Uh, I as, found it. Have, I found have it. Have you ever gone down there and like just like you, she slowly brings down the underwear? Then what is retro? Absolutely. Retro? You're like whoa. Wow. Yeah, like I'm 46. Like it pops out. Do you like walk out or what do you do? No, I, try, I muster through. I muster up the you courage. Get to get He's a trooper. Yeah. He's a trooper. <laughs> Gotta give him an yeah, wow. Not all. Not all heroes wear capes. Yeah, I, there you no, go. I, 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 <laughs> listen, can't, I couldn't. I couldn't Super bush. I couldn't say. Well. If you have the same beliefs as Maven does, Manscaped could help you. Absolutely. The weed whacker. Absolutely. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that I may have to, like, you know, go in a room, close the door, and hang out with the weed whacker for a little while. Yeah, I think you're a retro guy, aren't you? I like 70s adult films, if that's what you're getting at. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but with that, we're going to take a quick Batman. commercial break and anyway. be back with this wrestling icon, Maven. We will see you in a dropkick second. A uh, dropkick second. Are we on? Okay, I'm sorry. Jimmy, how's this? Let's yeah. try it. Looks yeah. okay. Sound okay. All right. 
All right. Good. Good. Sorry, Let's folks. Move. For you, uh, hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. For you folks out there, really sorry. There's like a rainstorm for some reason, and it's all tropical and going crazy outside, so that might have something <laughs> to do with it. Go ahead, well, Mike. Right. The, the phone looks good. So let's go back to the cool. Elvis analysis. Elvis right, today against yeah. why in the 50s and 60s did Elvis not get ridiculed for being with a 14-year-old? Um, you know what, though? I, I do believe that, uh, you know, you're right. You're right. I don't know why. Maybe Elvis got a free pass for some unknown reason that I can't explain. Because think about what Jerry Lee Lewis had to go through. I mean, right. didn't he marry his? Didn't he marry his cousin? Didn't Chuck Berry have some problems too? Yeah. It's interesting how Elvis was. I guess Elvis was the golden boy, right? Well, we can't let, have anything. Let's think about this know. though. Didn't Jerry Lee Lewis marry his cousin or something like that yeah. too? Yeah, she he was did. Young but she was too. But but she was hot. What's the problem? Oh boy, come on. I, so, you know what I'm getting at here. I mean, for God's sake, obviously Elvis was the golden boy, and and he was untouchable. You know, gee, you think he had mob ties? Who the, who the freak knows, bro? But, yeah, he got a free pass. You know, would that happen in today's day and age with Elvis Presley? Hell no, man. Everything's changed. Agreed? I agree. 100%. Yeah. Everything, uh, let me ask you this, though. Is Elvis, <laughs> do you think, of Elvis, you think of Elvis any less, knowing what, you, knowing what you know? No, I don't. And the one thing that impresses me about Elvis is, there you, go. Um, you know, Priscilla to this day, protects his his image and his memory and right even Anne margaret who right. he had a a one-year affair with right stand buys him so yeah again when we lay judgment on people these are people that yeah. like this guy's been dead yeah. for god knows how long 1977 um, 1977 yeah. and I they're believe, still yeah. protecting him yeah well you know what though i mean Look, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it got through before with all the breaking up and everything with the reception, but Elvis Presley is the reason why we have rock and roll in the first place. Of course it starts with him, you know? Isn't he in the Hulk Hogan level? Right, Mike? I mean, for God's sakes, it's Elvis Presley. You know what I mean? He had an amazing voice. He had unbelievable charisma off the charts. And when he swiveled those hips, an entire nation went hysterical. Yeah. All right? There right. was. There was no, there was no way that we were going to throw Elvis under the bus because you know something, it's not. See, nowadays it's all about all the things that are wrong with you. Back then, it was about what's right with you and what we romanticized about. We, I think, deep down, what do you think? The people in the fifties didn't know that no one's perfect. We, they, I'm sure they all knew it. They were probably smarter than we'll ever be with our internet. Okay, but you know, it's the. It's the idea of it. It's it's the romanticism of an Elvis Presley. Everybody deep down would love to be a rock star. Come on, you know. Jimmy, so I it love is that explanation. Though they looked for Thank the you. positive in people back then. Right. Now we just go right. for the negative. Well, so did, Mike, do you do you think Paul Simon was kidding around in nineteen whatever sixty six when he said, "Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio?" Right. A nation, a nation, turns its lonely eyes to you. Because Joe DiMaggio was the furthest thing from Dennis Rodman and everything we've had since. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's the bottom line. The bottom line. It's the romanticism of Joe DiMaggio. That's what Paul Simon was asking as the country was falling apart, even back in the 60s, obviously. Especially in the 60s. Pandora's box, how art thou? Hmm. Well, you know? I mean, it goes back to what's happening with Vince McMahon right now, even Billy Jack Haynes. Look, 
we could all assume that Billy Jack Haynes killed his wife, right? I mean, that's what we've decided already in of the course. court of public opinion. Yeah. But in the reality, yeah. none of us were there. We don't know. Right. We, I mean, right. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think when Nancy Argentino passed away, yeah. right, that Vince McMahon actually walked into a police, you know, station with a briefcase full of money and convince them to take the money to let Jimmy Snooker go. I mean, do you think that's possible? Oh, oh, it's Vince McMahon, that guy from the uh, from the WWF, and he's here to get uh, that Superfly. That you guys realize that Superfly? Oh, right. come on out, Superfly. Vince has got some wetbacks here for us. Lots of nice cash here. What the fuck are you talking about? This sounds like a bad espionage movie with a horror twist. I that's, mean, that's, I, I, I feel like, especially in the wrestling world, everybody wants a surprise. They want a surprise at WrestleMania. They want a surprise run-in on the Vince McMahon right. case. It's like, right. enough right. already. Right. But yet we, we absolutely adore those MSG cards from the days when things were pure, where like two, let's be honest, Mike, remember we'd go back and look at these cards, right? And two of the eight matches are... Like, really, truly, yeah. like, I've got to see this. Everything else was absolute filler, and we and we loved it. So, uh, I'm at a loss, bro. I'm at a loss. All right, before we get to our guest, I really want to get serious with you on this, okay? Oh, do we have to? No, we got to. Go ahead. Because this All is right, a pretty point. serious conversation. So, All right. Jimmy, when you, you were kind of, when you were going in and out, I want, I want yeah. you to be able to hear what we're going to speak about, but... So, okay. uh, Jar Gerard Millette, right, um, he uh, approached us via email to tell his story. Um, he had told me and you that he had had enough and he wanted to speak out um, about what he feels is the truth behind Mel Phillips Tom Cole, Lee Cole, um, when he came when he came to us um, in my discussions with Gerard, I told him that we were friends with Lee Cole, right? We brought on Lee years ago. You remember that first show, and we just brought sure. him on recently. And yeah. I said, you know, this is an important subject. We feel you have a right to speak, but. I want you to understand that I would like Lee Cole to be on the show so he could at least go back at you and whatever accusations. I don't want to call them accusations. I'm using the wrong word. But whatever story you want to tell. And Gerard, right. to his credit, said, absolutely. I have no problem with this. So I, okay. reached, out, I reached out to Lee. And okay. um, Lee... Uh, did not want to come on the show. Uh, All right. And, and All right. he, you know, basically was very unhappy that we were going to bring this gentleman on. And mm -hmm. I said to Lee, okay. um, and I'm not going to beat up Lee because I'm not, you know, this is Lee's choice. It's his son. Uh, it's his brother. I'm sure there's a lot of pain there. I'm not discrediting that at all, right? And we had right. his wonderful sister in here. She was a beautiful lady, very nice lady. Yeah, all right, very cool. But yeah. I said, 
I did yes. say to Lee, Jimmy, and I do feel this, Lee is doing very well doing his podcasting now. And I would tend to say that um, you and I should get a lot of credit for that, right? Because no one knew who Lee Cole was into us, right? It, it, let's be honest here. All right? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, that's fair. Absolutely. I, I don't remember even knowing about Lee before we wound up getting, you know, getting, uh, bringing him on the show. Right. I don't remember anything about Lee. I think that it, I think that it absolutely helped Lee get his, his name and his face and his message out there. That's absolutely fair to say, man. All right, good. No so doubt. we're in agreement there. Lee yeah, also, like I said, fair. Lee has also done very well with his channel. But I'm going to be yeah. honest here. He, okay. he now, in my, in my conversation with him, it was, Lee, if you're going to do a YouTube channel, right, and do this, you have to be a responsible right. journalist, right? You right. can't tell yeah. one side of the story. And right. I feel like you don't want to tell this side of the story, or you don't want to hear it, which I understand you lost your right. brother, okay? Right. But when I see Lee going on his channel, and now he's talking about Chris Benoit was right. murdered by Vince McMahon. This happened. Yep. I mean, he's talking right. like he's in the room of the WWE, and he he knows exactly what went on with Stephanie McMahon and Ashley Massaro. I mean, right. at what point right. are we not going to have this agenda, right? Right. Well, you know what, Mike? I look, and this is nothing more than than my opinion. So you could take it whatever way you want it out there, but. What did, what did I say to you after we talked to Lee the last time on the show? I said, he, he flat out said it himself, and he seems to have no problem with it, that he's a liar. Okay, right? Remember? Yes. Mm -hmm. You remember when he said that, right? So this is what I think of when you tell me that Lee is now doing videos, that Chris Benoit, you know, was set up and Vince did this. Lee is realizing that he can just say anything, anything outrageous, and get a click. He's not, he's not, what he is not is an idiot. So I'm not falling for any of the, you know, click and reel and whatever. And uh, if that's what he wants to do, but just remember the real hint that he, you know, the real thing you're trying to say is, is where's the journalistic responsibility? There is none there. When you're doing stuff like that and you're going, Vince McMahon killed Chris Benoit, if that's what you're doing, what's responsible about that? other than an agenda, and that it's, it's a perfectly timed agenda, and seeing that it's a perfectly timed agenda, let the crucifixion begin, off we go, clickbait time. So that's what I think about it, you know? It's well said, Jimmy, and you're right. And again, Gerard... Um, now, Mike, can I right? ask you Milot, quick... I said? I don't mean to... Good. Mike, uh, can, I, can I ask you a quick... Uh, just to, I just want to get this established. Lee is the brother of a, of a ring boy, correct? He is the brother. He's the brother. He's not a ring boy like our guest tonight, correct? That is correct. Okay, I just wanted to establish that before we do anything else from this point on, but thank you for that. All right, go ahead. So I want to get us ready for this, right? Because the take of our guest, Gerard Millette, is not the normal take that we've heard over the years. I want to make okay. it clear, and we're going to challenge Gerard, um... Gerard's taking a big risk here, right? He's putting himself on camera. He's going against okay. the grain. 
but he Understood. feels strong enough that he's had enough. And okay. Monte and Faro have not made a decision on what they believe or what they don't believe, right? We listen and let people Correct. speak. We'll hold our opinion to ourselves. We challenge our guests like we have challenged Lee Cole numerous times, right? Right, right. And right. Gerard has this right to speak up on what he saw and what he felt. So right. I know we've had some problems, right. everybody. We thank everybody for staying in there. But without further ado, thank you. Thank you. Gerard Millette, thank you for joining Monty and the Pharaoh. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure, sir. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. So, Gerard, before we get off, please explain to the family out there who's watching, who are you and where did you end up, how did you end up working for the WWE? I know it's WWF at the time. And how did you end up becoming a ring boy? Okay. Uh, my name is Gerard. I grew up in a town in Massachusetts called Low Massachusetts. I was 14 years old. There was a show at the Low Memorial Auditorium. I'll even give you the date of February 4th, 1987. A wrestler by the name of Coco Beware was wrestling in that night. And Coco, because of his parrot, Frankie, had four bags. Dozens of kids were hanging around outside. I was the only one who actually had the initiative to, uh, hey, hey, you want some help with your bags? He goes, yeah, sure. I helped him up. He uh, comes to the door. He goes, hey, can you, get, can you guys get this kid into the building to watch the show? The person at the door at the time was Mel Phillips. He goes, yeah. He comes up. He, I help Frankie with the, I help uh, Coco with the bags downstairs. I come back up. He goes, you can sit on stage with us. Really? Sure. Thanks a lot. So I sat on stage and watched the show. Um, a couple of days later was another show in Boston. He had actually asked me for my phone numbers. You want to come up to you want to come to Boston? <laughs> oh, absolutely! I, 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 as a fourteen-year-old kid in wrestling, I'm going nuts right now because Hogan was on the card that night. So I'm 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 all, I'm all for it. Now, Gerard, um, before I, I know there's going to be some interaction here, right? Uh, so I want to make sure we get every step. Where are your parents at this point? Um, at this on this specific night. Uh, my father was at home. My mother was at work. And at fourteen year uh, old, at fourteen years old, they allowed you to go to the Boston Garden by yourself. Oh no, Low Memorial Auditorium. It was about two miles away from my house. Okay, go ahead. Continue. So it was it was in walking distance of my house. Okay, continue. Um, so three days later, they allowed me to go. It was a Saturday, so they allowed me to go to Boston. Um, I said, "This is what I'm going to be doing." I'm going to go to a wrestling show, and I'll be home. All right, it's a Saturday night. You don't have school the next day. No big deal. At 14. Yeah. I, okay. I grew up with four older sisters, so I was a, I was a little advanced for my age at 14. They how did trusted you get, me. How did you get to the show that night in Boston? In Boston? Yeah, how'd you get there? I actually took the train because the train went from right into uh, the Boston Garden. So from where okay. I lived, the train went right into the Boston Garden. And okay, I met, gotcha. Uh, Continue. I, gotcha. And so I, I met up with, uh, I told him what time I'd take the train in. I got in. He was waiting uh, down. He was basically waiting downstairs. We went upstairs into the garden. Okay. And I tell people this all the time. I have never seen a Boston Bruins or Boston Celtics game from the stands 
I've seen many of them from the old Boston Garden runway <laughs> because they would do shows so often. If the Bruins or the Celtics would play, we'd go up there and watch one of the games, and then the wrestling show would be at night. And that's how I first got my foot in the door, those two days back-to-back. So does someone approach you about becoming a ring boy, or do you ask someone? So here's what happened here. My sophomore year of high school, I wasn't doing too well. Um, not academically. I was doing well academically. I wasn't doing well in the um, conduct part of it. So by talking to Mel, he goes, this is what I'll do for you. You have three years to turn your um, conduct around. If you can turn your conduct around, you'll have a job with WWE, WWF. I was like, are you serious? He goes, so my sophomore year, I've suspended uh, about a dozen times. My junior year, I've suspended twice. My senior year, I didn't get suspended at all. And I passed, and I graduated on time with passing grades. Two weeks after I graduated high school, I was on the road. This is the part, if well, anybody's on, ever Gerard, out there looking. Gerard, one second. So Mel Phillips took a special interest in you. He wanted to see you graduate from high school and he kind of waved the proverbial carrot in front of your face saying, hey, if you, get, if you get your shit straight, we'll get you some work here and you'll get the work of your dream job. Because well, we could call it your dream job at Absolutely. that time, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Go ahead. And so I graduated high school and he shows up at my house a week and a half later. I said, like, what are you doing here? He goes, I just started to stop by and stuff like that. And I turn around my head. My father's walking out of the house with two suitcases. <laughs> Not that I... Now, later on in life, I had learned that Vince knew this story. I didn't know that Vince knew this story until I heard him explain it to somebody saying, I went to work there with my parents' permission. So... My father had already knew what I was going to be doing. My mother knew what I was going to be doing. I did not know that he actually kept his promise to me. And I went on a six-week tour, took me to California and Honolulu, Hawaii, after that six, during those six weeks. This is two weeks out of high school. Um, so Mel knew where you lived. Yep. How, how does Mel know where you live? That's kind of weird to me. Because with, because with the time I because with the time I'm 14, the time I had graduated high school, he had actually come by my house numerous occasions at that point. Because okay. now instead of me taking a train, he goes, "Hey, I can pick you up at your house and stuff like that." If because there was one time I took the train, he goes, "I'll drive you home." All right. He drove me home. Got to know where my house was. Now when you call me and say, "This is the time I'm coming into the town," so if I'm landing in Boston at let's just say three o'clock in the afternoon, I'll be at your house for four to pick you up and take you to wherever we're going to go. I'm just giving you an example on that timeline. It could have been, I'm getting in at one, I'll be at your house for two, stuff like that. Sure. And so, Mel, so, Girardi, go ahead. so Girardi, I got to, I got to ask. So he, so he basically got permission from your parents. You Correct. come in the house and this month, this almost sounds like this was like one of the happiest days of your life because your parents were in on it and they were supporting you and they had already packed for you. You're ready to go. And I will put it to you like this, to get my father's permission to do this. Right. I was flabbergasting. My father was, uh, grew, up in the, uh, grew up in the 50s and 60s, and he was a total old school father. 
And right. he didn't want his son being with anybody, but he saw the change that was going on in me because I actually had a goal. And he, see, he could see me actually wanting to get to that goal. So he was all behind. He's like, wow, my kid actually found something that he wants to go after. Now, in high school, I was actually taking plumbing to be a plumber. But that was as a backbone in case I couldn't go through with what I did with uh, WWF. It was, remember, he, Mel just gave me the opportunity. It was up for me to get the opportunity. It's like, you know, getting an A in school and keeping the A. That's all he did. He didn't promise me nothing. He just said, hey, if you can do this, this is what could be laying for you. All right, so here's my question then. Jimmy, the business end of me, right? Um, yeah. Mel comes, yeah. he picks you up, you get suitcases, you, got, you start going with the traveling circus, right? Yep. Do you meet with their HR department and fill out paperwork and become an employee? Like, how does that work? I did not do that, but I tell you the one thing I did sign. I signed a, um, not a non-disclosure agreement. I actually signed, I could not collect royalties. They actually put a piece of paper in front of me and say, if you're going to be here, you get a sign this saying you can't collect royalties, royalties anytime we use your face. All right, whatever. Here you go. Bye-bye. All right, but here's my question. You, you know you're getting paid for this, right? Yes. So how are you expecting to get paid if you don't sign on with the company? You don't fill out paperwork. You have to pay taxes, right? I, I pay taxes. I, at the beginning, I was, a, I was deemed an independent contractor. So you signed a W-9? So, okay. Yeah. I, 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 know, I actually got a, okay. uh, a 1099. 1099. So every, right. state, every state you worked in, you, at the end of the year, you get a 1099 mail to your house showing how much taxes um, you owed for that state. Okay, that makes sense, right? And so you're all you working get, as 1099s. So you got, yeah, so, you, I got, so you, got your, you got your you got your dream job. So tell us what 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 did you see? What was it like? What was how did it start off? When did things get weird? All that good stuff. Tell us about it. I'll put it like this: when you the first couple months, I was on cloud nine. Okay. I went from cloud nine to. Eh, I'm not going to say falling off the cliff. I, I got to see the people I was watching on TV, what they really were like, and being totally greenhorn. I mean, I couldn't have been any more of a greenhorn when I walked in that door. I thought, I never knew, I always believed wrestling was on the up and up. Okay? And <laughs> Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, well, that, that's a problem. Up up, <laughs> um, Ger 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 Gerard... Oops. Okay. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right. Like I said, I got smacked. I got smacked in the mouth real hard. Um, right. And I'll, I'll give you the first example of that was uh, Hawk. We were doing a show in Hawaii, and he comes walking oh in, and he had a oh big boy. scar in his head. I'm like, dude, what happened to your head? And he just gave me the look, and I'm like, oh damn. <laughs> I I asked a proverbial stupid question. And I did not know it at the time. And somebody pulled me to the side and said, um, you know, we know you're still green around here. Don't show it too much. I'm like, don't, yeah, okay. don't be a don't be a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, yeah. Like I said, I'm 17 years old at the time. I'm 17. You know, I got a whole my whole mind is going cuckoo on me right now. 
And so I'm, I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching people go in and out and, and like, you know, these boys that you, you idolize on TV. Now you go from idolizing to working with, and then all of a sudden the switch hit. And I'll tell you when the switch hit. Survivor Series 1990. Um, I was in the building of Undertaker, the first night of Undertaker. Um, and the switch that hit on me was that night saying, I'm part of history right now. I have to stop being the kid who has his dream job and turn into a man who has a job. And it turned it, it turned it around on me. And I, I, I got more comfortable at what I was doing and I just turned it into, Hey, I'm living out my dream job and don't act like a fan anymore and act like you're a uh, worker. And that's how, turned it around. How was, how was Vince McMahon towards you? What's your personal memories of Vince McMahon? I will put it to you like this. I Vince a couple times, every time we would do a show, if we had a show, if like we were out to a hotel afterwards and stuff like that, he was very cordial, very nice. Um, the hardest boss you would ever work for. And anybody who has ever worked for him will tell you the same thing. When the clock is on, you better be on. When the clock is off, it's go time. It's go have fun. Problem is, you never knew when Vince's clock was off. <laughs> he, 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 he would fully state sleeping's overrated. Um, I would tell you, I worked with Shane, and he was an animal. Um, you know, certain parts of his anatomy should have been stuck to his forehead, because that's what he was. <laughs> that, he was just an animal. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting a young Stephanie at the Royal Rumble of 1992 in Albany, New York. And she was, how can I say, a beautiful young lady. Um, Linda was sweet as heck. I never had a problem with any of the McMahons. Um, and sometimes I think what goes on with Vince, it's sad because he can't be in charge of all 800 of his employees on the clock or off the clock. And that's my personal opinion of it. Some people might look at it like that. But um, he never did anything wrong with me, in my eyes, as an um, employee. And I'm kind of glad that when he was interviewed about me, he didn't release my real name. He let them go by a misspelling, which he could have just looked in the payroll and saw, yeah, here's his, his name. And he never gave that away, and I appreciate that man for that. So we established that the McMahons treated you well, um, and you and and you enjoyed working for them. Let's go back to Mel Phillips. Mel Phillips comes picks you up, kind of like we were just talking, Jimmy, with the old Elvis Presley thing, right? You're on your way. Mm -hmm. Does he explain mm -hmm. to you what your job duties are going to be? Yes, my job duty is going to be basically like this: ring crew, music, robes, stuff like that. A fill-in basis. So I would go to ring crews that might have needed a hand in the area. I'll give you one specific incident to where a certain ref referee couldn't make a show that he was working with another guy. And I was sitting at home, 
called me up and said, I need you to get to Syracuse, New York now. I need a ticket. There's one waiting for you at the airport. I go down to the airport. I fly to Syracuse, New York. The ring crew guy at the time was sitting there waiting for me. And that's what my job was. So whenever I needed to be filled in, I would fill in. Um, if you guys go back and look at Wrestling Challenge and Wrestling Superstars from late 1990 to early 92, I'm the robe guy. Almost on every show, I'm the guy taking robes. Okay. Told, I'm, I'm like, that, that, that was my job at LTVs, take robes. And I, I turned it into an art um, because I enjoyed it so much. Um, other than the fact the Legion of Doom would beat the crap out of me with their spiked pads. Those are real metal spikes. Those weren't plastic. <laughs> I, don't so, want, Gerard, I, I wouldn't want to find out. How close I of a relationship to. did you have with Mel Phillips, Terry Garvin, and Pat Patterson? The three okay. that have been accused most in the Ring Boy scandal. What was your relationship with all three? Here's, here, here you go on this one. When I first started working there, Mel Phillips actually pulled me to the side and told me about the sexual preferences of both of those guys. He said, Pat's full gay, Terry is bisexual. And I looked at them and said, as long as they don't do nothing to me, I can give a crap what they're like, okay? Pat Patterson, nicest guy you ever wanted to be around. And I went to his house, I met Louie. The house was absolutely gorgeous. You know, so it, it was nothing, not, Pat was nothing big with me. Terry went to his house, met his wife, kids, I had known his kids before. Before I actually had met Terry, I had actually met his kids because we were sitting in the stands at the Boston Garden together. Terry never approached me in any kind of demeaning way. He would give me, he would send me places to do work and other guys would say, why do you send him? And he would look at them and say, when you work the way he does, I'll send you there too. Um, what he did when I wasn't around him Guess what? I can't guess what he did. But by knowing the man, I right. don't All right, think, Gerard, I don't but here's, think what here's he was a question, doing. Though. And I don't mean to cut you off. I'm not trying to be rude, but That's fine. I got to understand this. Um, you're around the rest of the ring boys, right? There's other boys. And we keep calling no. them boys. There were, there were no other ring boys there at the time? Once I started, it was done. I was it. So is there a possibility in your mind that this stuff was going on before you joined and since they got in trouble for it, it stopped? Well, the, the first time that I know of when Vince said he fired Mel Phillips in 1988, I was told from Mel that he had quit WWF because they put Mike McGurk in to be the ring announcer. Okay. So there was a difference of opinion there. So where that opinion lies, I don't know. When it comes to him being around and, or having any kind of a sexual innuendo, I never witnessed it, never saw it. And I, on multiple occasions, we would have multiple kids around and stuff like that, wrestling, playing around and stuff like that. I can tell you one time, the police were called to a hotel because we were wrestling so loud in the hotel room. The police came. Now, there's three white teenagers and a black guy. You think somebody's going away. They just said, can you keep it down? That's all it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> you so, know, this is the. This, so, so how does how does a person like Lee Cole, right, who was the brother of Tom Cole, so I'm I'm assuming Tom told him these stories. My assumption, have such a different story than yourself. Because I believe Tom Cole believed his own lie so much, it was the truth to him. Um, and here's the part that, here's a part of the story that Lee Cole probably never knows about, is the, the exact date was November 30th, 1991. Now, mind you, Tom Cole claims he had been already fired from the WWF because he, he said, I, from what I'm reading, February 1990 give or take a month or whatever. Well, on November 30th, 1991, he actually showed up at the Madison Square Garden. Me and Mel Phillips had just come in from a show in Philadelphia. You can, anybody can look at this up. We had a Philly Madison Square Garden double shot. Tom Colt was waiting by the security thing to where anybody who's ever been to Madison Square Garden knows if you, walk, you park your car, you walk across the street, Russell's had to do it for years, and you go through security, you take an elevator upstairs. Well, he was waiting at that elevator when Mel walked in the door. No, he wasn't working for the WWE at that point. No, this was, he had already been let go. And he looked at me, he looked at Mel and said, so this is who replaced me. Well, I want my job back. And if you don't give me back, if you don't give it back to me, wait till you see what I do. Which Mel sternly said, go screw yourself. We go up on the elevator, we go up to the elevator and I asked him if he thinks Tom was serious about doing anything. And Mel's response was, he's too dumb to do anything. But wait a minute. And Stop. if you look at that, Gerard, Gerard, one second. When he says he's going to do something, you don't know anything about whatever. So what do you think he's going to do? Well, what I had heard was that he had gotten let go. Well, because of the fact of he just couldn't do the work. He wanted to he wanted to be one of the boys more than he wanted to be do his job. That's that's what I heard. OK. Um, now, but when he says to Mel Phillips in front of you, wait till you see what happens. Aren't you like, well, what's he talking about, Mel? That, that's why I asked him. I said, do you think that's why I asked him? Do you think he's serious about what he's talking about? And Mel's response was, he's too dumb to do anything. And I didn't get into it that much with him. I didn't get into it more because of the simple fact all I had ever heard of, he had already told me why he had gotten rid of him. Because remember, I had met Tom Cole before this. He'd come up and done a show in Boston. He, they flew in. I can't remember if it was Philly or New York. They flew in, but they took the shuttle back then, which, you know, they used to have daily uh, one-hour shuttles. And uh, Tom came across as a cocky, um, jealous guy who didn't want anybody else around because he was always in fear of his spot. That was the impression I got from him. Um, and when I, for the entire time I've been hearing about these things and stuff like that, if the one thing that always gotten to me is, where are the others? Did it all of a sudden just stop with Tom Cole and nobody else came up? Because they were like, oh, if there were so many others, why did it stop with one? And, you know, pedophiles don't just change their spots overnight. Mel wasn't a pedophile. I never saw him with any underage boy doing any sexual acts 
Did you ever ask Mel Phillips? Did you ever ask him when these accusations were made? Did, were you like, Mel, did you do this? I mean, did he you was ask? Cry- he was crying. And I said, Mel, I need to know. He goes, I have never done anything like this. What he's talking about is a lie. And I said, okay, I will stand back you. But I, I would get on him and say, why don't you go forward? I have to let the company do their due diligence. And mind you, this is WrestleMania time. I, and my firm belief is this any other time of the year, this story gets squashed because that's what, you know, it's, it's squashed. But it's WrestleMania time. Vince doesn't want to have his WrestleMania ruined by the scandal. Remember, a week later, Tom Cole is on the Phil Donahue show sitting in the audience with Linda. And if it wasn't, if it wasn't for some from New York um, reporter from the Post who wanted this, wanted this to get out. You're talking about Phil Mushnick, right? I won't mention his name. <laughs> I'll let you do that. I won't. <laughs> Self-preservation there. Um, he told, from all the reports you hear, he told Tom Cole to get a lawyer. But instead of Tom Cole getting to get a lawyer, he came and seen Mel Phillips at the Madison Square Garden. So why would you come and see Mel if you were so hurt, instead of going and getting a lawyer first, let the lawyer fight your battle for you. Mm. Don't come and try and blackmail Mel into saying, hey, you, you give me back my job or I'm going to go public with this. Why didn't you go to a lawyer first? Let the lawyer fight your battle. So now, is, this just a case of, is this just a case of opportunistic gold digging to you? Let's cut to the chase. Absolutely. And I'll put it like this. I've had this discussion with people. I say, listen, how is it like this? 32 years has gone by. You had a black man, a white gay guy, and a white bisexual guy. That's not a, it sounds like a punchline for a joke, but it's not. In today's world, these guys would never hear the end of day. Back then, that was something that, you know, it was, um, I'm not going to say frowned upon. It was something that was easy pickings because nobody wanted to fight. I was so glad Pat didn't lose his job because Pat, to me, up until the time he passed away, was um, the WWF. He, he was it. He, he was the brainchild. Um, as so far why, as Terry goes... So, Gerard, why yes. did superstar Billy Graham, the legendary Bruno Sammartino... And John Arizzi, Jimmy, who we had on the couch. I recognize say, the first two names. Go ahead. I know you don't recognize the other one. Um, no. No. Go ahead. How come they felt that this Ring Boy stuff was going on? Were they part of what you're saying? Is, is well, this just I, more sensation, sensationalism, you know, like, you know, uh, with their own agenda as usual? Because that's what it seems to be the pattern. I'll give you one right now. Lee Cole interviewed a kid, and I'm going to, I've talked about the Bruno thing. Lee Cole interviewed a kid last week, and he asked the kid, 1987. The kid said, I went up to Stanford and stuff like that. Lee Cole said, oh, you went to Titan Tower? The kid said, yes. Titan Tower didn't open up until 1990, 1991. You can check the date on that. I'm like, whoops. how was he there three years before the building opened? Whoops. 
<laughs> um, as far as Sid, Sid Justice, he said that he claimed he saw he was in a hotel room. He was at a hotel and there was a bunch of kids in the lobby. And the kid, he goes to Wardlow. What are these kids doing in the lobby? Oh, he's waiting for Mel Phillips. Well, gee, Sid, you worked there the same time I did. What hotel? What city? Because I was on the road with him the whole time Sid Justice was in WWE. I was on the road with Mel the whole time. Tell me what city. Tell me what hotel. The sad part is, and I will even say this, Sid Justice gave me the best advice I ever got in the business, too. And, you know, people would say stuff about me, and the one thing they would call me was Mrs. Mel Phillips. He goes, kid, you can't let everything these guys around here get to you. If you do, they'll do keep it up. Don't let it get to you, and they'll stop. Yeah, I stopped letting everything get to me. So when your friend Mel gets let go, are you still yep. working for the WWE? I voluntarily stepped down. Why? Out of loyalty. I, I, if, if, if this, I know this might sound stupid, but back then, I was loyal to Pat, Terry, and Mel because of the fact that they gave me, my, they gave me the chance to have a, a, a career. And later on, I would actually see these guys at shows and stuff like that, and Pat, and they would act like nothing ever happened with me because of how I went about to care of my business. I didn't come out and talk about anything. I didn't um, turn a back I turn up my back on them. Hey, and I I showed loyalty, and that's that's what that's how I felt back then, and. A lot of people who know me today know if I'm not anything, I'm a loyal, I'm loyal. If, so if I'm friends with you, if, I'm friends if, with life. If you're, this, if you're this loyal and you see Tom Cole making these accusations against your friend and your friend quits or gets yep. fired, why aren't you standing up for them and going to somebody and saying this isn't true? I or did you? Talked, I talked to the WWF investigators. I gave them my story. So wait, they did investigate this? Vince McMahon did investigate this? Like oh, yeah, that was total. It was a, I, I got called in. Linda, Linda actually sat me down with the investigators. She called me in, shook my hand, said thanks for coming in, asked me if I wanted to stay on. I said, no, Linda, I, 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 um, I'm voluntarily stepping away. So I got called in by their investigators. I was in there for two and a half hours going over the whole thing. I was giving them date time, places, things that would happen, okay? I got called to the New York Grand Jury in October of 1993. And so the testimony I gave in um, Titan Tower in 92, they took that testimony and turned it over to the investigators for 1993 to come down. It had to be polished up, if you know what that means. Um, I get, and I go in on a, I want to say I went in on a Tuesday or Wednesday, for the first part of it, because when you go down, you go for two days. The first day, they grill you. The second day, you go back, and you're supposed to go in front of the grand jury. Before I could go into the grand jury, they came out and said, you can go home. Your, your part of the case is closed because Tom Cole admitted he lied about it for the money. I'm like, what? <laughs> you guys, for a year and a half, had this information 
they're like, we couldn't do nothing until we got through the whole story. Now, at this same time, they were flipped it from sex scandal to steroids. They were going after the big money stuff. Um, Gerard, I want to go back a little bit. You were, you were in the grand. They brought you in for questioning. Did they bring any of the wrestlers in to, for, for Um I was in there with uh, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. The, 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 we, okay. we went in there together. We went out to lunch together. I had a Walkman, John Anderson. He wanted to listen to it. He, he was started singing the John Anderson songs, um, um, well, Seminole Wind. Let me ask you this. You went to lunch after. Did, did Kurt Henning share with you what he told the grand jury? No, no. We, we, we went to lunch before because there was one other person in front of us that was taking so long. We didn't know who it was. I, I didn't know. I can't remember right, who the third so person let me, was. Let me rephrase the question. Did Kurt Henning tell you at lunch what he was going to tell the grand jury? No, because I think he was. More, I think at that. I think for him, they were more worried about the steroid thing than they were about the sex thing. Did he? Did he tell you what he thought of the whole scandal in general? Did he have an opinion about that? Like, you know, what a bunch of shit! I can't believe they they dragged us here for this. Or did he have a different opinion than that? We, him, him being a constant a constant professional, was, I have no opinion of it. Because it didn't affect me, it's not affect. It didn't. It, it was not my life. It doesn't affect me. So okay. that's as far as my stuff goes. It didn't affect him. So okay. it didn't affect him. What about the claims when you, from? What about the claims from Murray Hodgkins? Right. I think I pronounced that right, Jimmy. The uh, is that announcer? the one? That the one who said the thing about uh, Pat Patterson? That's correct. Like I said, I never witnessed Pat. Um, Solicit from any man. Um, I knew he was devoted to Louis. That's that that that's all I knew. Um, but he was an ultimate prankster. He he was a good prankster. He he he'd love a good rib. That I, that I mean he he'd walk by and try and give you a fake nut give you a fake nut shot just see if you cover up. I mean okay. locker lock, yeah lock, locker room stuff to wear. It's boys being yeah. boys. I mean, if you want to call it, it was men being men, if you want to be yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I never saw anything outlandish. When you were with Linda and, yep. and you were telling her that you were leaving, did you make a plea on behalf of Mel to like, you know, you know, Mrs. McMahon? I mean, this is ridiculous what's going on here. Did you make any kind of plea with her for Mel to somehow keep his job? I did not make that plea because I believe they had already, I think they had already made up their mind of what they were doing because the day that I got called in, Mel had already resigned. Um, mm -hmm. And his resignation came with a nice severance check. So, right. Okay. To now try and take that away from him. And like I said, he had already told me whatever goes on, do me one favor. Um, you know, don't fight for me. By them giving me this pay, they've already told me they're going to fight for me. All right. Now, if I had been able to stay on and face Tom Cole, I might have gone ballistic on him. <laughs> that, that's saying the least because he caused people who I actually cared about hardship. And out of a lie. I knew he was lying, but out of a lie... I, I was I was kind of upset about it, and 
I want to come off for self-preservation, if that makes sense. <laughs> so, Gerard, Lee Cole's been talking about this now for years, right? This has been going on for yep. a very long time. Jimmy, when did we have Lee on? A long time ago, right? It started. Yeah. Yeah, several years back. What yeah, takes you so back. long to step up and say something, Gerard? I believe it. When I, when I find out, uh, I, I was reading, like I said, when I found out Tom Cole had committed suicide, um, I had reached out to one person. They got back with me. They didn't want to retract any of the story that they put out there. And I said, okay. And the more that I see this guy dig into it, dig into the story, dig into the story, dig into the story, say, listen, what pissed me off the most recently is when that New York Post reporter, once again with what happened to McMahon, comes out and says Vince McMahon supported pedophiles. Vince McMahon never supported any pedophile, any weight, shape, or form. He, Mel Phillips was never tried. Never arrested, tried, or convicted of pedophilia. Never. Terry Garvin was never arrested, tried, and convicted of pedophilia. And when you were asking that thing about Elvis, if the media then was the media today, Elvis would have been vilified. He would have been destroyed. Yeah, of course. And, Agreed. you know, Lee Cole, here, here's the thing for Lee Cole. As much as you hate Vince McMahon, you will make every freaking penny in the world you can off the man. What does that mean? That's the way I feel. What does that mean? He's and using his name to make money? Using it? I mean, he's abusing his name to make money, if you, that's what you want to say. He will, listen, he's worse than an ambulance chasing lawyer. At least they get this, at least they make you sign the document first. What about, and Jimmy, please, I'm sorry. I know I'm probably stepping on you. I'm just. No, I'm no, to... no, no. It's a. I'm just, I'm just, oh, real quick, all I'm thinking of is it's, it's opportunistic sensationalism, and the end result is for, strictly for, for one's profit. I, yes. It's, it's, it's witch hunting, it's witch, it's witch hunting, it's gold digging, it's, it's knowing the right moment to capitalize. Look, they've been waving their torches at Vince McMahon for decades. If he has truly done something, I would like to think at this point in his life, he would already have been in jail a long time ago. Stop telling me that he just pays off everybody. You know something? In this case, I believe, and we've said this before, Mike, that he paid them off because, like Gerard pointed out, WrestleMania season, it's, you're not worth the fucking headache. Take your lie. Take the 20 thou or whatever the hell it is I'm giving you. Shut the fuck up and go away. You annoy me. I have a business to run. If that seems cold and calculated, well, too damn bad. Okay. Well, up until, because even up until sometimes like a big business has to do shit like that, whether they want to or not. Well, to, to make Tom Cole shut, shut up. Good. Tom Cole settled for fifty-five thousand dollars. Okay. Right. It was gone. Okay. So he then he gets then he doesn't get his contract renewed a year later. Then they try and sue for one point six million. All right. Lee Cole originally wanted Tom to settle for seven hundred and fifty thousand. For back pay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Seven hundred and fifty thousand in nineteen ninety-two. What's that? Hogan money? <laughs> right. Right. Nobody pays to see the ring crew guy set up the ring. Right. So, Gerard, Lee Cole. We've asked him numerous times in the two, the, the 
I think how many times he's been on? Two or three times, Jimmy. I forget. Yeah, at least at least three. I would think three how times come at least. Lee Cole never shares what happened to Tom Cole in your opinion, Gerard. Because Tom manipulated his brother to believe the lie. Because if you look at the text message that Lee no, you, Cole you're put missing, out there, you're missing the question. How come Lee Cole will not tell what actually happened to Tom Cole? Yeah, we opinion? we always get as far we always get as far as the story and the how Tom went out and slept in the van. That's all. That's all we're given, and we're supposed to believe all these really horrible well, things. So, okay, here you go. Tom Cole said he was proposition, but he also said there was marijuana and cocaine in the house, which is both illegal too. And he was going there for that. So he he said, but the sex was no. The sex part was no, 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 no. But he but the marijuana and the cocaine that he was going there for is that okay? They were both illegal at the same time too, but. When it comes to him not finishing the story. Oh, very good. Okay. That, 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 there you go. It's like, so where's the line, where's the boundary? And all this stuff, Tom himself admitted to. But, okay, I didn't want the sex to stuff that, but the marijuana, the cocaine, hmm, let me see here. Do you, do you think that Lee Cole is so broken up about his brother committing suicide that's why he's as angry as he is or do you believe that lee cole is doing this for lee cole and lee cole only i think he's doing it for lee cole and lee cole only due to the simple fact he would do anything to keep the narrative going based on what his based on the lie his brother told him and you know he he just wants to keep it going keep it going feel the sympathy and if he's making a buck off of it, why wouldn't he want to keep it going? He's making a buck off of it. Now, if he come out and said, hey, guys, I'm not taking one red cent to tell my story, there's a different, there's a different opinion of there. But he can go on with, he, I, I saw one of his things where he went on with the affidavit and stuff like that and the whole, um, uh, the whole lawsuit that Tom had filed and stuff like that. He goes page by page by page by page by page. But I never saw the mentioning of Tom going to Madison Square Garden in that. So why was it in there? Why didn't he say he went there? He can he can he 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 only choose to remember what he remembered. How long did you continue on with a relationship with Mel Phillips? Mm. Um, till July of twenty twenty July of two thousand and two. Um, at a buddy of ours in a guy named. Jimmy Miranda, who the Ultimate Warrior wanted to have a James Miranda award for, um, basically, it was a behind-the-scenes award for people in WWF who went above and beyond. Um, he had died, and that was the last day I saw Mel Phillips. Gerard, it, and, it clear, it's clear on this during this interview, right? You're looking at notes, right? I could clearly I, see I, I, I wrote it down because there is so much to where... Dates, times, place. I didn't. I didn't want to forget nothing. Um, because of the simple fact, there's so much to go over. Um, the 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 one thing I will say is, people say, "Hey, why did he stop? Why did he stop having discussions with Mel Phillips?" Money. 
Um, because he was so down in the dump and stuff like that, he would always hit me up for money. And I actually was able to get some of the money back because he had gotten a ring truck and um, a ring, a professional wrestling ring. From some, He bought a truck and got the ring. By some, getting some of the money back, I actually ran independent shows up in Massachusetts. We worked with the dojo for WWF. Um, and so we did enough shows to where I made the money back. I healed me, and then I sold the ring. And after that, and he and I told him, I said, this is what I'm going to do. He goes, you know, I, I, I failed you. I wasn't able to pay you back, but if that's what you forgot to do, that's what you got to do, and I'm okay with that. Um, by doing that, he got me. He, he allowed me to get back into the business. He allowed me to get back into doing things that I loved. I got into refereeing. Um, I did a couple big shows um, uh, for independent shows it, it, with the dojo. was It was very lucrative. Pat came to a couple of the shows. That's how good these were. And one of the last shows I did, Jim Cornette got into the ring and took a bump before the show. Now, anybody who knows about Jim Cornette, Jim Cornette doesn't like taking bumps. He got in and took a bump in the ring because he likes to bump rings. He go, he go, took the bump, got up, looked at Bruce Pritchett, said, Bruce, come in this ring and take a bump. Bruce Pritchett comes in and takes a bump. This is our new ring. I'm like, what do you mean it's our new, your new ring? We need to bring this ring down to Stanford, Connecticut and design our new rings after this ring. How much will it take to get you down here? I was like, pay for the truck and the, what I normally would get for the, uh, bring it to a um, show. All right, done. I want to say about three week, about a week later, he calls me up, said, hey, can you come down? Um, in three days, I think it was three days. Absolutely. I get down to the warehouse. We set up, me and my buddy set up the ring. Who's the first person to take the bump in the ring? Shane McMahon. Um, now, Shane walked in, walked over, shook my hand, said, how you doing? We talked for, yeah, I'm going to say about three minutes, you know, about life and stuff like that, because I, Shane worked with him. And so the ring that you have now, the ring that they use now is a copy of the ring that I was using at the time. So, you continued on a relationship with Mel Phillips. Not that it matters on his sexuality, but did, was Mel involved with women or men? I will put it like this. He had a fantasy, and nobody could live up. He was deeply indulged with Whitney Houston. <laughs> he wanted huh. to get her to sing okay. the act. Yeah, yep. So... No other woman could compete with her, and he wanted her to sing the national anthem and stuff like that, and like you know, and this is that was it. Um, yeah, and as far as the other part goes, he was. It, it's like a captain is married to the sea. The sea is a captain's mistress. His mistress was the WWF, twenty-four-seven. If Vince called him, he'd answer the phone. No matter what time it was, he'd answer the phone. So then why did Vince McMahon, during that Donahue interview, deny knowing Mel Phillips if he was talking to Mel Phillips all the time? He, I never heard him deny knowing him. He said, that, that person does not work for me. I mean, I could pull up oh, because video. He, he, had, he had already resigned. It was only a week away. It was a week before. He, go, he no longer works for me. It was a week right. away. So he kept yeah. He kept his distance about having to even talk about Mel. He had already made his yeah. business decision. Right, if you ever notice, whenever he would do that, he, you could right. be fired. You could be let go the day before. 
That person right. no longer works for me. No longer works right. for me. Right. Vince was it, always it, looking know, forward, is what you're saying. He was always looking forward. He didn't. He didn't. That's just the way he was. You guys might understand like. this. Vince McMahon has always been on to Cincinnati. <laughs> that's if you guys to use a football terminology. That's him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did Mel ever? Did Mel you. ever express? Did Mel ever express to you like you know a wanting to to ever go back to the WWF? Did Vince ever talk to Mel afterwards? Did he have any kind of relationship with the Vince company? I don't think ever had a. I don't think he ever had a conversation with Mel after this. Mel constantly wanted to go back, and I said. Why don't you defend yourself? He's not doing it. He's being quiet about it. He's not allowing you to say anything. He goes, but you don't understand. If I say anything, then it ruins my chances and stuff like that. But a year and a half right. later, I said, listen, look at you. You cry constantly because of it. Pick yourself out of this damn gutter. Get, get, get these people. Go after the people who put this story out there. Because they, they're only... You know, of course it's a believable story because we're only hearing one side of the story. Flip the script. Right. Put the other side out there. Right. He was so right. loyal it, to Vince McMahon, he didn't want to do it. That's it, how loyal he was. Anger? Remember, he worked, for his, he worked for Vince's father, too. Right. Right. Does it anger, does it anger you when you, when you, you know, let me ask you this just point blank. Who is the victim here? Cole or Mel? Who's the victim here, in your opinion? It was to me. It's all it, to me. It's always been Mel, because of no criminal case ever being presented. None. Zip zero. Nothing was even found. And you know, when you talking about now, I, I like I was. I, I've said to Mike. I said you had kids, and I'm just going to read the names. He Mel would come up here. You'd have kids from Manchester, New Hampshire, Glen Falls, New York, Dighton, Mass, Philly, Portland, Utica. And there was other cities. All these kids would come around. And nobody's ever come out and said, Mel Phillips sexually assaulted me. Did he have a strange way of going about playing around with people? Yep. I'll admit it. Yes, he did. But it never, I never saw it turn sexual with anybody. And, you know, I compare it a lot to sometimes when I'm talking to people, like the Michael Jackson case, to where he said, hey, I'd like to have kids sleep in my bed with me. Nobody ever said he actually slept with a kid. He just, he said, he said, I like to have kids in the bed with me. It's strange. Screwed up. Not against the law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so that's what my point for, about So this for is. the people out there that have heard the one side of the story, convince, I'm not asking you to convince, but what would you say to the people out there watching this interview now about your friend Mel Phillips? Unfortunately, a lot of the people who they have a preconceived notion, he's already guilty. I'm hoping they can at least put the benefit of the doubt in the mind saying, wait a minute, hold up. For 30 plus years, all we've been hearing is one side. This guy, maybe I can put the benefit down in mind saying, wait a minute. He didn't get charged. There was no um, arrest. You know, nothing's ever been filed about it. Go. Go Wikipedia. You can't even Wikipedia him because his life was so secret. You know, it's he was a um, he was somebody's son. He was a brother. He took care of his mother. He took care of his family. All that came crashing down in one day. Done. Gone. See you later. Bye bye. Um, 
the Internal Revenue Service took care of the rest of what, what Tom Cole took away from him in WWF, the Internal Revenue Service took care of him for the rest, for the rest of it. Um, he, he ended up being a broken man. And I, feel, I felt sorry for him because everybody who would ever see him later on after this never uh, shied away from him. They would talk to him. I remember one time we were doing a show in Summersworth, New Hampshire. He had a nice hours-long conversation with a guy named Jim Myers, who everybody out there should remember as George the Animal Steel. And Jim told him the Vince was only doing what was best for his business. And Mel understood it. He was only doing what was best for the business. That's it. And could Mel have said a lot more to take people's mind away from what was going on? Yeah, he could have come out and talked a lot more. But when you get a settlement the way he got it, to says, hey, take the settlement, go live your life, and, you know, that's it. What was the settlement for? How much money? On the better side of $800,000. Hmm. Can ring my bell. Ring it. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, he only got seventy thousand in his hand because as soon as he deposited it, other than the seventy grand, IRS took it. Gerard, I got I got to give you a, a lot of props for coming on. A lot of strength for you to say what you said tonight. So I'm going to give you an advanced opportunity now to speak out to the trolls you're about to encounter, and this show is most likely about to encounter. What, what do you have to say to those people who refuse to hear the other side, because there is two sides to every story. What do you want to say to those people, because you know that they're going to be coming with their torches, that you had the nerve to tell your truth? What do you have to say to those folks? Keep the open mind and don't be closed-minded about it. It's 32 years. Um, let the man find, if there's one thing that you can let this man do, just like Lee Colt asked to let his brother do, let the man go to his grave and sleep and rest in peace. Let all three of them rest in peace. Stop bringing up every time an allegation is made against Vince McMahon. We don't know where his allegations will ever go. Those allegations against Pat, Terry, and Mel were never founded upon. And in 1992, you would think they would have found it. They would have gone and found something. They found nothing. And the other thing that I want people to know is, I don't know where the tapes ever ended up. A lot of the stuff that Mel Phillips was ever accused of doing, he recorded everything. So in case anything ever happened, he had it on videotape. I don't know what happened to him. Wait a minute. But now you, that's a whole nother. Why was he recording stuff? To protect himself. Honestly, why? To protect, he, protect he, himself. He, why? Why would you protect yourself? Seems odd. Because he, what what he would do, and this is he would record. So let's just say he would record this show right here, right? And the next time he'd see you, he'd oh he'd just re-record over what he'd already done. So if you were wrestling in the ring on one, let's say you came and wrestled in the ring. The next time he'd see you, if you're going to wrestle in the ring again, he'd just re-record over the video he had with you. So we always had... So you're, say, uh, so you're saying that 
You're saying that he recorded the work environment. Is that what you're saying? Oh, no, the play environment. Not, 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 in, play a, not in an arena. Huh? Like you're at a party and all of a sudden you turn around and there's a camera while you got a beer in your hand? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. What I'm saying. So everybody, everybody like, That's I'll weird. put it like this. We actually had a, we had a storage facility in Philadelphia. <laughs> we set up the ring in the middle of the storage facility and he, he put the yeah. camera on. So that way we, we actually did interviews and everything. So you can go back okay. and you can look at the interviews and see okay. you actually felt like you were a wrestler that day. Okay. And he would have a monitor okay. there. So that's what that's right. what I'm talking about. He recorded right. everything. Right. So, that so it he, wasn't felt like you were part of the show. So it wasn't like when he picked you up the first time and your father handed you the bags, you got in the car and he was like, Okay, here no, I am. No, 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 no. He was recording. He was recording the fun stuff. We want to make sure. All right, well, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Ger Gerard, be before we go, I want Joe from One Day to weigh in and see what he thinks. Joe, oh, what did what you he... think about uh, Mel Phillips recording at, you know, in meetings and things like that? Yeah, what do you think, Joe? Oh, he's not buying it. Yeah, Joe never buys anything. You can't he's go buy that. I don't worry about it, Gerard. Gerard just, he's on a serious note, Joe, I want to thank you. I, 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 I agree with Jimmy. It takes a lot of guts. Put yourself on camera. Oh, yeah. You're going to be facing some some heat um, for sure, oh, as we will. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm ready. But, I'm ready. But Whatever. again, kudos to you, man, for standing up for your friend. And uh, well, well, well said when you said let everybody rest in peace at this point, right? Enough yeah. enough. Yeah. Gerard, thanks again, brother. Hey, thanks, thanks, thanks Gerard. Thank you, you very much. It, if, hey, if you ever need it again, you got my email. Send it out. We, I, I'd love to do it again. You got it, my friend. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Night, good. Thank you, Gerard. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye -bye. Jimmy, thoughts? Well, here's my thoughts, okay? The, the important thing that I want our listeners, you know, and viewers to understand is, is, is that when Lee Cole wanted to tell his story before he had a YouTube channel, before, you know, he had the attention he's getting nowadays and stuff, he wanted to tell his story, and we gave him an opportunity to do so. And we didn't mock him or question him. We let him tell his story, okay? Tonight... We did the same thing for Gerard, okay? There are two sides to every story. If you can't handle it, you know what to do, mm. all right? And no, no, not troll, okay? You know, the bottom line is, 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 Mike, we allow people to tell their story, and that's what we did tonight. Right. And I, again, Lee Cole, as little as we know him, seems like an okay guy. Gerard, little as we know him, seems like an okay guy. Sure. You know, again... One thing I've learned in life, and I think you learned, Jimmy, too, right, is your reality is your reality, my reality is my reality, but most of the time the right. reality lies in the middle. And right, right. I, I will right. make this statement, and I really will make this statement, and I'll never know, and I'll never know the answer. Maybe I will when I die, right? Um. But if Tom Cole did lie because he was angry, he destroyed an innocent man's life. And to me, that right. was troubling. Um, right. 
Right. If that's right. what someone well, did because they were angry and they wanted just to make money, you destroyed right. an innocent man's life. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what, Mike? It always gets back to, and it's what we always seem to raise a flag about. Look, if you took money, you took money. And if you took money to conceal the truth because it was profitable for you, then you did wrong. And if you took money to conceal a lie, you took money. Either way, you took money. You put a price on your so-called pain, whatever can I give, that, whatever can I give that some, was. Can I just say some clarity? Because that's a really good point. If you take yeah. money, right. if you win money, they're two different right. things. Right. Once you decide, I'm taking your money, whether it's for sex, right. whatever, that's right. It's over. It, you've lost yeah. your credibility. If yeah, you, you win the money from your no. peers... That's something right. different, right? Right. Absolutely. And I've said it a thousand times, too. If you've got a big business that's very profitable and you've got somebody shaking your tree like that, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You know, people always go, well, he gave the money, so he must have done it. No, that's not how big business works. If you've got something that's that squeaky and could be that toxic, it could really kill. Even if it's even if it's a complete lie, it could kill you. It could take you out. So yeah, twenty grand here or fifty grand there, thirty-five, forty. Dude, years think ago, about it this way. Years ago. Think about it this way with Janelle Grant, for example. Give her three right. million dollars, or pay my multi ten million lawyers who cost twenty-five thousand dollars, right, for every right. day, and that right. will be well beyond your three million dollars. Just pay right. it, be done with right. it, and maybe yeah. be done with it again. Right. Once right. you take the well, money, you are done. That is it. I can't, uh, even with the current thing, I can't get past that you took a million and then, you you know, well, it wasn't enough, so now I'm going to really go after you. You took a million bucks already. It's just like I can't, I can't hold any validity in that. It's just like, all right, whatever, whatever you got to say, you're clearly gold digging one and, way or the other. And you know what? I want to drive you know. home two more points, Jimmy. He named yeah. all these ring boys from all over the states, right? Right. That right. no one said a word except one. Right. Right. And right. still Where to this they? day. Where are they? Lee Cole won't tell the story. Right. Well, if he tells the story, it might turn out to sound something. Perhaps it might turn out to sound something like what Gerard just told us. It might, it might just be just a big fat bunch of nonsense with a check waiting at the end of the day. There but, you, go. you know what I mean? There you go. So it is what it is, you know? And if anybody has a problem with us having Gerard tell his side of the story, then you clearly don't understand what this country was built on, okay? He had every right to be here tonight, and I'm glad he told his story. I am too. Jimmy, another great yeah, show. I want to thank Absolutely. the people that, you know, Phil DeCessere, Maria Davis, ESO. I just want to give a shout-out before we go. You know, I got to give a shout-out to Abe, too, who stands by us thick and thin, Jimmy. Abe, Chuck Taylor. I love Abe. Uh, Mike Gonzalez, um, Joe Whataday, R.J. Hudson. I mean, the list is long, and I got a, you know, New Day. I just want to thank everybody for sticking with us every Thursday night. New I hope day. we're entertaining. New Day. One thing that's very New exciting is on uh, 
March 16th, Jerry Lawler will be in studio. Also, Andre the Giant's daughter, but we're really excited for the great King Jerry Lawler. And Jimmy, do you want to tell the fans what's going to happen that day? Well, as far as Jerry Lawler goes, I, I, I'm going to start walking now. Okay? Because I'm going to start walking towards New York. You think Before I can make it by, by... Go ahead. Go ahead, you, Jimmy. you think I could make it if I start walking now when I get there by the 16th? But, on, you know, seriousness, Jimmy is flying into New York. He's going to be sitting at the <laughs> dais. I'm going to try to set up a couple interviews, three or four. Um, we'll do big event together. Jimmy will get to see some of his friends in New York. And uh, I'm mm -hmm. very excited to see Jimmy live in studio, so it'll be fantastic. I want to thank again Gerard for having the balls to come on and, uh, you know, stand up for his friend. Again, people will either ridicule, point out things, but again, he told his story, right? And I only yep. wish that Lee Cole would have sat here and discussed with him. We could have just sat back, and they could have told right. each other each other's story. You know, you can right. disagree to disagree. Again, to be right. fair to Lee right. Cole, that is his brother. He lost his brother. That is oh, a very yeah. serious thing. That is a of very course. serious thing. But also, yep. Gerard oh, yeah. lost his friend. And if Mel Phillips did not do the things that he never got called out for, only in the court of public opinion, mm -hmm. Mel Phillips lost his life that day also. Jimmy, you know what else? You out. know what else? Oh, I wanted to say real fast too, you know what you know what else gets lost in this? Gerard walked away from his dream job on principle. Hmm. Yeah. Think about that for a little while. Yeah. Gerard had nothing to gain had nothing to gain all these years monetarily. He just held it in. You know? So so props to you, Gerard. You've been watching Monty and the Pharaoh. And until next week, later.